Servus and greetings from Vienna. My name is Anita Posch. Thank you for listening to Bitcoin und Co., my podcast that's introducing the philosophy, ideas and people behind Bitcoin. Don't miss the upcoming interviews and subscribe to the show in your podcast player now. Before we start, I want to thank my sponsors. Without their support, this podcast would simply not be possible. And they have great products and services too. So please listen to their messages and afterwards enjoy. Do you want to keep your Bitcoin safe long term? The card wallet is the best cold storage solution a retail customer can get. It's easy to use and completely offline. No hassles with updates, passwords or hacks. I gave one to friends as a wedding gift. They are Bitcoin newbies. But with the card wallet, even they can hold Bitcoin securely. And the best thing is, my friends at cardwallet.com made a special offer for all the listeners of my podcast. If you go to www.cardwallet.com forward slash Anita, you'll get 20% off the price. So go to www.cardwallet.com forward slash Anita now and buy a card wallet with a 20% discount. I approached Shift Crypto Security because I feel like we care about the same things. My absolute belief is in independence. This is a value that drives all of Shift's products too. We both believe that everybody should be the holder of their own keys. And a well-built hardware wallet is the safest way to hold your coins. So when Shift announced the Bitbox O2, we made it happen. The Bitbox O2 is Swiss-made, secure and easy to use. It has invisible touch sensors and USB-C. And it also comes as a Bitcoin-only edition. That's something I believe in too. So I encourage you to check it out at shiftcrypto.ch. That's shift, C-R-I-P-T-O dot C-H. And you can get free shipping with the code ANITA. The Bitbox O2 by Shift Crypto Security. So hello and welcome to this new episode of the Bitcoin and Co. podcast. Today's guest is John Carvalho. I hope I say it right. It's Carvalho if you say it in English, but it's Carvalho in in, in, in Portuguese. In Portuguese, <laughs> are, are you from Portugal or do uh, you have my my father and my mother's father were both born in the Azores, which are the islands off of the Portuguese coast. coast. Nice to go home to make a holiday day there. Or? I haven't been in a long time. I I would like to go sometime in the nearer future, though. <laughs> uh, and uh, John, you're the CCO at Bitrefill. Does it mean Chief Communications Officer? That's correct. Some people get it wrong. They think it's Chief Compliance Officer, and that's definitely not my job. Okay. <laughs> or Chief uh, Customer Officer. I've also read that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so no compliance at Bitrefill. Oh, no, def we, we have compliance. Um, compliance is just a little bit easier for a gift card company than for an exchange or something like this. You know, we're not, we're not holding or taking deposits of fiat or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So since when are you uh, working for Bitrefill? I joined in mid December, mid late December of last year. What has you brought into the Bitcoin space? What have I brought to the Bitcoin no, space? I mean, in the sense of, uh, When did you hear about it first? Ah. And yeah, excuse me, it's my English. <laughs> it's okay. I, I, I live in Europe, so I, I 
usually pretty good with different uh, phrasings and, and, and accents, but sometimes I still need more practice. Um, I joined uh, Bitcoin World in late 2012, um, basically like many people in that year and the year after because of Silk Road News. Um, and once I started, you know, I heard about so that people were using something to buy drugs online and somehow getting away with it. Um, I was like, what the hell is this thing? And I started reading about it hopped into the bitcoin talk forums um back then a lot of people were hanging out in irc these days i think it's mostly just developers still in there um so a lot of time in irc and there was a little little community bitcoin community there um and and basically i just it became like a full-time job in addition to my full-time job i just could not stop consuming bitcoin information and it really never stopped and now it literally is my job <laughs> um at least i work at a very bitcoin centric company um but yeah that's that's the the short version of my history yeah i would like to have a little longer version so uh when you discovered it in 2012 did you then uh, start like also do bitcoin mining or did you uh just read about it and talk about it with your friends back then i, I think that many people were like me and we basically did everything you know uh, uh Try Silk Road, try mining, try mining Litecoin, try trading, try, you know, anything you could do to be like a part of Bitcoin. A lot of us were just doing it just because like we could, you know, it was um, maybe, I mean, we, we even had like, I, I think the cycles uh, of Bitcoin each bring like an iteration of scammers. And we even had our, our share of scammers back then, you know, we had like the Ponzi schemes and things like this. Um, but yeah, that, that, that it's a little bit how it was in the, in the early years. So you said at the beginning it was uh, the case that you were fascinated by the fact that you can get away with something with using Bitcoin. So what is the point for you now? What's the most interesting part about Bitcoin for you? What does it enable? What's so important? <clears throat> um, I don't know, like having, you know, living in the US, um, go, I've traveled a lot. I, you know, go dealing with authority and, and being pulled over by police, whatever, just the, whatever uh, incidents I've had in my personal life with, with my interaction with authority, it basically like really taught me like this is a powerless moment. You know, like when, when you have to pass through a border control, when you get pulled over, when you have some kind of interaction with, with your, your governmental authority, you just, you get this, you, you come to learn like how powerless you really are in this situation. And, and you have to become meek and you have to be, especially in the US, you have, you know, there is also like a power dynamic with police officers and things like this. And, and it's just, this is not suiting for my personality. And I assume many, um, many Bitcoiners at least. <laughs> um, and, and so when, when, And when you get this feeling of when you have now have money that nobody can stop you from using, it's like you feel a little bit like you can take your power back. And, and, and I feel like just more free. I feel like more natural if I know that I can just if what I've earned and what I've created with my own, you know, limited mortality of time here, um, if I can hold that and control it, then then I feel more free. And I think that, you know, that's a more abstract way of talking about Bitcoin's qualities. But, you know, you asked me what it means to me. And it just means that I can actually be free and be, in a, you know, in, in a sovereign individual, just a, a man on this earth doing what I want as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else, you know? Hmm. So, and um, before Petrifil, 
Have you been also working in the Bitcoin space or did you do something else? Yeah, before BitRefill, I was doing a, a video pro a video streaming project. Basically, we had a website that allowed people to monetize video streaming using Bitcoin only. Um, it was not trustless. Um, maybe with Lightning, you can maybe get closer to achieving such a thing. It's still not still not yet, though. Um, but that was mo more of a small project I was doing with a, with a couple people. Um, that's what brought me to Romania was my business partner is Romanian. But it got to a point basically where I... I I had to decide whether to double down and say, okay, do I want to start raising money and, and start, you know, scaling this up or do I just want to put it aside and, and choose a different path? And I don't know, I honestly wasn't sure what I wanted. And that was when I, I put out a test tweet, um, talking, uh, joking about whether I was looking for a job and, and with a meme and, uh, Sergey from, from Bitrefill was asking me if I was serious. And so we started having conversations and here I am. <laughs> okay. That's really funny. I mean, Twitter is enabling so much. Uh, yeah. I mean, Twitter for Bitcoin is awesome. You know, like th this is another good thing about Bitcoin is, uh, it's so international, you know, and, and, and particularly for Americans, like there are, there are Americans that travel and there are ones that don't at least outside of the U.S., and I just feel like it's like a whole other world of person, you know, like being in Europe now and like being here with you, being in Berlin, being, it's like, this is not something Americans are accustomed to, many of them, and, and I, I do think it's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. yeah, international. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a global phenomenon. And Twitter and, and, accommodates us to yeah. be able to be an international community. Yeah, I mean, I think Twitter is so open, and actually that's the same with the Bitcoin community in a way, because it's so easy to uh, ask questions if you mean it, you know, if you're not trolling. And um, uh, also, like, now we sit here and talk with each other, and I think that's so easy. Um, but I could imagine, like, in five years' time or in ten years' time uh, that, there will be the suits here. What do you think? By the suits, you mean that it will no the longer... Business, the business, the, 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 like the, the consultants well, and, you know... They're already here, you know, quote, air quotes. You can't see them on, on the podcast. They're already here. They're, they're basically, you know, like um, the New York Blockchain Week. You know, this is the, the blockchain conferences. Yeah. They're already here. They, they've chosen their niche. They, f they figured out where they belong to some degree. Um, it took, it, there's still some growing pains with them figuring out where they belong, like with, with UASF and things like this. Um, but Bitcoin slaps them in the face eventually when they don't know where they belong and, and puts them where they belong. <laughs> That's a great sentence. Yeah. How, did this, in your view, develop in the last years? I mean, it went from a very, very, very tiny little niche and not very many people using it to, yeah, I mean, I would say like, I think they estimate this two or three percent worldwide have or use cryptocurrencies. I don't know if, we don't know exactly. Um, do you feel at the moment there's a new wave of people coming in? Is it going, because with every boom, new people come in. So I, I, I think that's maybe two different questions, which is what, what I think about the current trend and, um, and, and what do I think about generally how many people are using Bitcoin? Uh, as far as how many people are using it, I kind of see both side, kind of two different ways. One is as Bitcoiners, I think sometimes we underestimate like how, like, like how small Bitcoin really still is like underestimate or overestimate. Uh, uh, using double <laughs> negatives, I guess. But um, in other words, Bitcoin is smaller than most Bitcoiners really realize it is. It's really actually very small. Um, but but on the flip side, 
we have made a lot of progress and we have had a lot of success and we have come a long way. And, 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 I, and when I say that, it's not to, uh, so people on the outside can be like, yep, it's still small. It's meaningless and doesn't matter. That's not what I mean by saying it's small. I say this as a warning to Bitcoiners to keep in mind that we still have a lot of work to do, but, but we have been proceed, you know, proceeding at a great pace. I have no complaints about the pace of, of success for Bitcoin. I mean, when I started Bitcoin, my bought my first, first Bitcoin, it was $10. Um, and there was no lightning network. There was no uh, ICOs. There was no all of these things that happened later. Um, and, and now, you know, to see it, when I saw it go to twenty thousand dollars, I I just I could have never predicted the acceleration in price at least at, at that short term of, of time. Um, what was the other half of your question? Uh, where, where do you the think current it, trend? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think right now there is a little bit of a low. Um, you know, the past couple of months, uh, we were just watching uh, the panel with um, the merchant panel with Miles, and he mentioned that thing that the Lightning Network seems like it's kind of stagnated a little bit in growth recently. Um, and it, it's tricky because I think that the Bitcoin market itself as a whole, it, you know, that Lightning is a subset of that, a separate part of it, a smaller aspect of it. And you need kind of the light, Lightning Network is pretty difficult to grow without growing the Bitcoin network as a whole. Um, so the trend right now, at least in the very short term, I think it, we, we're, we're at a little bit of a low. Um, but I think that ramping up into the having, the having uh, next year, sometime you know within the six months or before or after, I think we'll probably see another cycle. Um, and that will kind of reinvigorate things a bit. Um, as like Barry Phil, our growth has been great this year. Um, but we, we, we have pretty good insight into what people are doing with lightning because, you know, it's just one of our payment methods and we have others. So we can keep kind of a good eye on who's using Bitcoin, who's paying with some of the altcoins and who's paying with lightning. And, and it's true. What Miles said, like the, the network looked like it hasn't been growing very quickly in the past couple of months. Neither have sales of people spending lightning. So it, it's accurate in my opinion. Um, but I don't see this as like any, any type of like a uh, turn, you know, it's, I don't think the market has turned and now we're going to just go, we're dead. Um, but I just don't think Bitcoin dies, you know, so it's just a matter of time. Okay. So you're quite sure that Bitcoin will survive anything? Uh, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I certainly have my, um, you know, how I invest is, is reflecting that. Um, I, I, I can't bring myself to invest in anything besides Bitcoin anymore. Okay, so you don't see any other asset uh, as equal or better than Bitcoin? Um, for saving, no. I, I just I, I, like if somebody says to me, "Oh, you should diversify. You should hold some gold. You should uh, hold some stocks or, or retirement fund." And I just I'm, I'm entirely opted out of any of that game anymore. I just do not want to participate in like the the, the fiat game. Mm -hmm. So um, you also see it as a longer term investment because I think it will it will it will take some time also to get back to the twenty thousand or something else. We don't know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the way I live my life is basically, you know, I, I try to hold as much of my value in Bitcoin as I can. And when I get my paycheck, I think about how much um, money I, I'm going to spend in the next month till my next paycheck, and that's the only money I will spend. Um, you know, like. Uh, I I prioritize saving, you know, I really do. <laughs> is this is this have you learned that through Bitcoin? Yes, for yeah. sure. Um I mean uh, on one hand Bitcoin helped me be able to do that. In other words, 
I did get in early, and I am not a millionaire. I am not rich by by most measures, um, but I was able to kind of uh, in the U.S. Most people have debt, and I was able to erase my debt. So because of Bitcoin appreciation, I was able to become debt free. I, I own no credit cards, and and to me that that is an achievement. Just to as an American, at least. Just yeah, but but how do you live in the U.S. or or work there without credit cards? I think I tra I traveled there in June, and I I. I issued a credit card mm -hmm. to be able to pay that because you know they don't take cash anymore. I have an, I have a debit card for for uh, a checking account. Um, okay, it works just like a credit card. Okay, um, and I, I I keep a very small amount of money, so it basically only lasts me a month in there, and and that's mm -hmm. how I go. Mm -hmm. And are you paid in Bitcoin or in yeah, US? Yeah, paid in Bitcoin. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, working in a Bitcoin and Lightning company, you should be paid in Bitcoin. I think. <laughs> Well, on the note of you mentioning, you know, working for a Bitcoin company, you want to be paid in Bitcoin company. Um, it, I, I want to elaborate on that because I, I, while it sounds obvious, I actually think there's a fundamental aspect to why it is obvious. It's that when you, when you, when you're part of a startup and you're part of somebody working on Bitcoin, whether it be for pay or what, or, or as an open source developer, the only like Bitcoin, because it's not an organization, it's never going to hire you. The only way to get paid by Bitcoin is by holding Bitcoin. And so I really feel like because I work at a Bitcoin company, I must be paid in Bitcoin. Not Nothing to do with my personal preference of, of accumulating Bitcoin. It's that I feel like I must because the only way I can properly get the exposure to my efforts fully is by having Bitcoin. Because when BitRefill does something that not only helps BitRefill, but also helps Bitcoiners or the Bitcoin network or the growth of this industry, then the only way I can realize that gain of the industry is actually by holding a piece of it. Yeah, it's like a little a little bit like a share. You hold exactly, a share yeah. in an open source, open protocol. I joked, protocol, with, this, protocol. I joked with, this with, with, with my boss actually at BitRefill and I said, you know, I work for Bitcoin. Yeah. And, 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 and I said, I mean that both ways. I mean that I work, in other words, I work to, get to earn Bitcoin because I want Bitcoin, but also like my, my, my higher level boss is Bitcoin, you know? It's, it's the same here. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, in a tweet, I saw you saying an ETF is fools hoping for greater fools. Why? <laughs> well, I mean, if you take the context of how most people discuss ETFs, in Twitter, which is probably the best example, um, it just always feels to me, you know, I, I get a feel when people behave certain ways and I, I try to pick up on these patterns. And when people talk about ETFs, I just kept seeing like, why do these people care so much? Like, these are people that have Bitcoin. They know how to get Bitcoin. Why could, why would they possibly be so obsessed with whether or not we get an ETF? It's because they want someone else to make them rich. And this is nothing to do, like, yes, I do believe Bitcoin is the best store of value, but you have to have enough of it for it to make you rich, for even to, 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 to you know, be a risk, be realistic about how that will affect you as, as a person. And you have to be a productive, useful human being if you want to get rich. You have to have specialize and, you know, and provide something that a lot of people want. Um, And so I don't like the behavior of people saying, uh, or, you know, hawking over what's happening with the ETF environment because I think all they really want is somebody else to pump their bags so they can sell them. And to me, Bitcoin isn't just, it's not about getting rich, you know. Um, I feel a lot better that my logic and understanding of, of Bitcoin means that I probably will become rich. Um, but that it, it's not a requirement. 
you know, and we don't know if it will happen. Right. It's not a requirement at all. I mean, at, at, maybe if you want to say, I hope I don't lose all my money, <laughs> that that's, that's where you can start from instead. But with the ETF thing, it's like people that are good at making money, institutions, uh, traders, you know, Wall Street, they know how to get something if they want it. You know, if they want to invest in Bitcoin, they can invest in Bitcoin. They already are. And so the, and, and we see this with Bact, with the Bact release, you know, like Bact was news for like a year, uh, all, all the time, constant, every week, or whatever update would be, we'd be seeing in Coindesk, et cetera. And then when it came out, it was like, a dud you know like it was just oh it's a new product and not that many people use it yet just like every other product um and, and it didn't change anything it didn't make anyone rich at least not in the short term and, and uh i thought that was a good sign I, I was like okay so i'm right you know the people that that wanted bitcoin that thought that they already knew how to get bitcoin they didn't need backed you know so back did not free up new liquidity in any way um and a lot of people want want things like BACs and ETFs and ETNs because they, they think that it's going to free up a lot of liquidity so they'll get rich. I like the idea of freeing up liquidity to Bitcoin in and of itself. Uh, same thing with Lightning Network. I think every all of our goals on Lightning is to figure out how to free up liquidity and get it flowing. Um, but, uh, you know, Bitcoin is meant to be your freedom money. And I don't really like the idea of seeing you know, $50 million worth of pension funds held in custodial Bitcoin and then all those people somehow lose that Bitcoin or get ripped off by that by whoever's managing that fund somehow, get feed to death or get, you know, some kind of loophole where they get fiat value instead of Bitcoin value because Bitcoin appreciated too much and they didn't hedge, pro you know, like they, they, they can mess something up. They, they're trusted. And, I, and if all those people, like look at me, I do not have retirement plan. I do not have any any institutionalized saving method. I have entirely opted out. I have none of them. Stocks, bonds, insurance, whatever. None of them. I know how to save money. Like I don't need somebody to save money for me. If I if I don't and I also personally don't like the paradigm of businesses providing all of the things that humans need because they're employees. Like a business providing insurance for an employee, a business handling taxes for an employee, a business handling retirement planning for an employee. Um, these are the, I, I have a feeling I wasn't around when they, when they, when these habits formed, but I'm going to guess that they formed because of commercial incentives and, you know, banks wanted more people to, to use these products. So they embedded them into work environments and and I remember running a business and having employees, and honestly, like handling this stuff for them was a pain in the ass. I remember employees saying, "Oh, can I can I have insurance? When can you get me insurance?" And I said, "Yeah, and I can pay you the amount it costs you less, like, or you can just get it yourself, like, because we were a small business." And so I think the paradigm for Bitcoin is just it doesn't fit when you start talking about institutions putting a bunch of money in, it, it becomes much more like just doing more of what we were, we were trying to fix in the first place. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the idea is that Bitcoin is money for people. Yeah. And speaking of money for people, I mean, there's uh, new forms of money are coming up. Like after the invention of Bitcoin now in the last months, uh, other forms of money are coming up like Facebook's Libra, for instance, so corporate money. And now the central banks seem to get pressure and uh, try to build their own central money crypto 
whatever. Um, what do you think about this uh, new forms of money? Um, similarly, I guess uh, w with Libra, um, I think they made some mistakes with with basically uh, the designing it to be a security where where it was backed by a basket of things. Um, what was the other one you said, Libra and, and the um, central. Mon uh, central bank uh, yes, digital yes, currencies like having like a, a, a national cryptocurrency yeah. um, the, in China the Remnibi I think they want to start early next year it's scary honestly um, I, I, I think that right now uh, citizens of countries that have fiat cash bills are very lucky because I, I, I think we all know that, that eventually cash is going to be treated like an enemy, much similarly to how Bitcoin can be treated and, and, and have a narrative of, of being bad because people can do bad things with it. But I think that I, I know of no way that you can separate freedom from freedom to do bad. Um, you know, like, I, and, and I also don't think that these, that, that solving that problem or mitigating or addressing that problem should be done via the tool, via restriction of tools. In other words, um, a knife is a tool. It is not. It, it does not cause murder. You know what I mean? It, it, people cause murder. And I'll go even further, and I'll say I have a feeling that if you fix money better and and you align incentives better, you there may be less incentive to commit crime. Um, and and you might get some good effects just by putting things in the right place. Do you think that the whole discussion about Libra uh, helps Bitcoin in any way? Uh, it's impossible to measure, so any answer works. Um, <laughs> uh, so I guess that means that it's probably not that that useful of, of an answer. Um, I mean, I guess it's always good to have people more educated about money. And if if money if what money is becomes more of a topic, then that means that we're curing ignorance on some level. But my my concern is I can't really tell how much ignorance we're creating along with it. Um, the the concept of that that Libra uh, having a money might ever be a good idea or a good replacement. The concept of that Libra may be better than or similar to Bitcoin. These are all like confusions we'll end up having to undo later. Um, and and I wonder if it if the exposure and the curing of the more broad ignorance is worth the miseducation of the other aspects. And so I just kind of stay out of the whole thing. You know, I just, I don't actually think Libra, even since before we knew what Libra was, I just didn't really think it would ever actually be released. Mm -hmm. um, I'm told that, you know, they're dedicated and they have a large team and they're not giving up. So maybe I'm wrong, but I just can't see how it fits in the, in the current economic system. Hmm. I found another tweet of you uh, where you are thinking about the fact if the Bitcoin market is manipulate, manipulated and the question is by whom? I mean, the market is so small, I think, at the moment that bigger institutions with uh, lots of money, if they buy or sell, the market, uh, the price reacts. Uh, but I think what you meant was if the state actors buy in at the moment did i understand that right right i mean as as a default behavior or a knee-jerk reaction when people get into bitcoin the first thing that bitcoin does to you is it makes you decide whether you want to be a trader because like you, you now you hold this thing and all of a sudden five minutes later it's worth a different amount and you think should i buy more should i sell more you know what should i do 
and you start having to decide whether to trade. Um, and inevitably, as part of that, now you're an, you're an ignorant trader. And I don't, I don't, I use ignorant loosely as a, as a clinical term. I don't, it's not a judgmental term. Um, it's just a lack of information. Um, and, and, and so now you, you've walked into this environment and you're ignorant and now you start trying to fill in gaps of your knowledge. And so you inevitably start ascribing conspiracy theories to why the price moves. And this is a side of, of this, of that tweet that you're mentioning that I, that I don't intend that it did not intend to uh, be a part of or, or, or demonstrate. It's more like we have so many people like crying about like Tether is manipulating the market or Bitfinex is manipulating the market or, you know, there's this whale trader that sold or uh, Satoshi is going to do this or Craig Wright's going to do that. Um, and, and what happens is when you don't have an answer, the brain inevitably tries to fill in whatever you think you can create as being the the best answer in your own paradigm. And for me, um, I see like, okay, we already know like from the Snowden leaks and things like this, there, there are social attacks that are being done by States. You know, we, we know they use this as a tool. We already know the, that AI and machine learning, you know, algorithmic programmatic behavior can be applied. Um, and, and if you combine these two things, you, you can create some pretty dangerous situations where if you also have influence over the media, if you, or if you have, uh, if you've, you know, set up a whole botnet of Twitter accounts that are now like going to be seen in everybody's feed you know, of all the right people, you know, of all Bitcoiners or something. If you want to, I don't think as a state it would be very difficult to create uh, a social influence over the price. Um, and and when I made that tweet, well, that was when they did that. They were announcing this uh, child pornography bust that they did. And I, 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 I admittedly did not read very much deeply into the article or about what actually happened, but I, I, I read enough to where I noticed that it had, the event actually had occurred 18 months before the, it, this news. But the news was, it just almost felt like a strategic release. And like in my Telegram rooms and in my Twitter, I, I saw all this like anti-encryption news, all this anti, you know, all this associating Bitcoin with with bad behavior news and i'm like how this is weird like all of my signals right now for like the past three hours are all like bitcoin is in danger because it's encrypted and it's letting people do bad things like how does this all happen in one moment so i am an ignorant person trying to fill in the blanks as to an answer as to why this is the current situation and i decided to just attribute a pattern to this and say you know what if the Bitcoin markets are manipulated, who would have the most capability to do so? Certainly not um, Bitmain or you know or Tether or whatever. You know, it's it's not it's expensive to manipulate a market, and who can who has the most fuel to burn? The people that print the money. Hmm. Have you ever looked into? I mean, I guess you have looked into other altcoins, and did you ever feel or think uh, that you should invest in them? I mean, maybe on a trading level, anybody could make an argument to invest in anything. You know, if you like the chart and you like whatever you think you know as the fundamentals, as a trader, you're, I don't think you should have any specific, uh, you know, um, requirements for the quality of your asset if you think you know where the price is going to go. Um, I don't think most people know where the price is going to go for anything. Um, 
but with 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 all coins i think that there are occasionally interesting things um but i i do not hold any of them as investments um like uh, just to give an example like this is not an endorsement but when you see a team doing something that is definitely uh, trying to make sure they're they're fully doing what no what they know they couldn't be doing on bitcoin then at least you have some argument for that maybe you're doing something interesting um monero is an example of this you know they definitely make design decisions that are contrary or incompatible with bitcoin and probably would never be able to happen and they're they're making decisions in ways that seem creative or may possibly useful worth testing um but my but the problem with this is i don't see the use to hold monero you know if Monero became really great at washing your Bitcoin, if they say we could atomic swap uh, Bitcoin for Monero and now you can get gain some privacy by hopping into that that network, then I guess that would be cool. But the issue I see is maintaining the security of an altcoin, you really need people to hold and transact that altcoin. And I don't see why, I, if its only purpose is to, is to add a privacy uh, layer to, to wash something, you know, for lack of a less criminal sounding term um then you have no reason to actually hold it you're just you know a, a visitor a tourist and i don't know if a coin can live without real holders you just use it yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you see the development in bitcoin towards more privacy definitely i mean that there's there's always a healthy uh portion of bitcoiners that that's their main focus um i personally have no interest in seeing bitcoin privacy added to the base layer um, I know, I, I think I'm not the only person, but I've been saying for years that that could be, a, a the next Bitcoin battleground, which is if we have, if, if we have some really, um, some really important Bitcoin developers that take a hard line on wanting to fork, say, to add privacy or wanting to have privacy somehow, even without a fork, um, on the base layer, I think you're going to see that they'll have just as much respect, you know, respectable people just as many respectable people uh taking the counter side and that could be a, a, a tricky a little uh moment for bitcoin if that happens is that because uh then we couldn't see the total amount of coins anymore the inflationary yeah i mean i could put it a little, even a little bit more broadly as far as that goes just having like for lack of a better term visual audit auditability you know or or maybe monkey auditability like for people who aren't wizards like we we can have a little more confidence that this thing is auditable sure yeah that's one part but i also think that um as a as a as a unit of account as a accounting system as a Uh, not w wanting to be attacked by governments, I think you kind of want your base layer to be as transparent and 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 immutable and and basic as possible. And if you want privacy, I see no reason why you can't you know uh, rig together the base layer with the lightning layer, with coin join, with atomic swapping, with whatever you need to achieve a higher level of privacy. Um, because I, I just think it's more use. I, I literally believe that. Uh, a blockchain base layer that is transparent is more valuable than one that is not. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of hard forks, uh, I uh, what happened to Roger Ver? Ver Roger Ver. 
what happened to him you have to ask his <laughs> you, mother yeah. uh, <laughs> you made, because i think you made a legendary interview with him is it right yes the the, yeah. the b cash dancing interview um i i i'm conferences like this i have to you know walk in and the people that do recognize me you know doing doing little b cash dances and <laughs> i feel i feel a little bit like a walking meme sometimes um <laughs> I mentioned earlier when I when I walk by a Bitcoin sign guy, you know, I feel like a, a disturbance in the force because it's two memes walking too closely together. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think we're all ready to move past that. We're all ready to move past Roger Ver. I, I really just don't even consider him relevant anymore. Mm. He had he he bought his relevance back then, and mm. and I was there to to be one of the people to help take it away from him. Um, unfortunately, it it, only, it it didn't totally work i think it helped um but he he, he persists mm. um but i i don't think he's not relevant any longer do you think that people like roger or greg wright can do harm to bitcoin yes um not because of their you know arguments or their expertise or or their efforts uh, being better at business or whatever it might be nothing like that but because they can do damage to bitcoiners they can they can target individuals um and they can and if they have a big enough stack of money they can do damage you know craig wright suing uh i don't know if suing is the correct term but uh, whatever whatever he's doing with um Hodlina and with with a few other people for defamation um these things put a real uh, grind on these people you know sure. like i don't know what hodlinot does for a living or what he contributes to bitcoin outside of twitter but imagine if he's a core developer and he's an important core imagine he's the core developer that's fighting to make sure bitcoin is private and, and not on the base layer <laughs> you know mm -hmm. and, and and now imagine he has to spend a year of maybe a, a year of his life or half of that year dealing with this bullshit now you've just kind of halted bitcoin privacy mm -hmm. you know it just just indirectly without even having to attack bitcoin itself and and so yes I, i think that these people can be dangerous just because they have money which gives them power and and that and just you know unfortunately in this world it's not just about uh whether you're a good person and want to spend money actually i should say fortunately you know it doesn't matter whether you're a good person um but i i do hope they they get to see uh some consequences for their actions i i, I would I, i do hope that there is a still a good part of government that will help stop people like this but at the same time i think their reputation is gone within the bitcoin world and so maybe we don't even need government to intervene i think for people who are coming in new uh it might be a little like irritating you know because you you can't decide you can't know what's the real thing i mean you have to investigate then you know but this yeah. is another way that they grind at us they make us waste time because yeah. we have to re-educate everybody all the time um and and people you know when you're when you're in bitcoin for years you, you sometimes forget that the people that have only been here for one year two years they didn't see all of these things already it's all new and so they think it's the first time mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and and to have to re-educate or constantly educate or constantly refute bullshit it's it, it takes a lot of energy i mean same with the saying that bitcoin is not decentralized enough it's also uh, like a nobody a knows what's decentralized enough yeah. anyway like there's no measure of quality for de for decentralization Yeah, but they use arguments uh, that Bitcoin has failed, like it's too slow, it's not scalable uh, yeah, yeah. for their own shitcoins in a way, or for mm -hmm. their own products. Well, I said this before in podcasts, but the the 
the job of every altcoin is creating a narrative against Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And whoever has the best narrative against Bitcoin gets the most ignorant money. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, let's talk a little bit about Bitrefill. Okay. Um, because I'm also interested in that. So when was Bitrefill founded and what was the idea? If I recall correctly, I believe it was 2015. It might have been 2014. Um, but originally, Sergey, the CEO, uh, the story I'm told is that he, he envisioned that at some point there would be a Bitcoin version of every business. And, and he identified, he was like, well, which one would make the most sense that is achievable? Um, and, and they went with selling phone refills. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and then it was a phone refill company for, for a Bitcoin. few years. Yeah, for okay. Bitcoin. Uh, for a few years. Um, and then sometime uh, about a little over a year ago, they added a Steam gift card when, when BitPay stopped offering. Uh, well, actually, I should say, when Steam stopped accepting Bitcoin through Bit, uh, BitPay, then uh, BitRefill had added the Steam card. And that was one of my, uh, that was my first, you know, consumer interaction with BitRefill. Um, and from there, BitRefill continued to add more gift cards and, and we've seen a lot of traction in that area. The BitRefill card sales have far surpassed the refill sales um, over the past year. We went from having you know one gift card to now it's like the main the main thing of what we sell. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that that's kind of how how it started is he, he just, he saw, which I, I would guess I would say is like, the early uh, intuition of the circular economy concepts we talk about now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're in, uh, incentivizing people to spend Bitcoin and uh, Lightning to buy something to get a circular uh, economy? I would word it a little bit differently. Um, yeah. we, we don't incentivize anyone to do anything. Um, you know, uh, aside from we don't even have a SATS back program. <laughs> so as far as incentivizing people, no, that's not what we do. Um, what we do is we allow them to yeah. do it. Um, we give them the capability, the utility for their Bitcoin to be able to uh, have an alternative off-ramp to an exchange. Yeah, also I think it's the only possible way to buy, for instance, at Amazon. If we, if I would uh, buy an Amazon gift card at your shop. Um, there, there are some other companies that are doing some creative ways to kind of shop at Amazon. Mm-hmm. But as far as you know, uh, what we do, we do have a lot of products that you can only acquire um, through, the, through the combination of BitRefill and, and Bitcoin mm-hmm. uh, or cryptocurrency mm-hmm. in general. Because there are people in some countries that this—it's not really possible or easy to move your money in such a way so so you can acquire. I don't know, an American Steam gift card or an American Google Play gift card as somebody living in Slovakia or something, but you have a use for it maybe for some reason. And so there are li- these little kinds of uh, cross-border uh, use cases where it, this isn't necessarily people trying to break laws, but they might be trying to break restrictions. You know? Okay, so it's possible. If I'm like located in Austria, because I was on your website uh, um, and I saw there are some gift cards to buy, but I could also buy one from anywhere else. I mean, you can buy a gift card, any of our gift cards from any country with Bitcoin, but whether or not they'll work is going to be a different story. <laughs> okay. um, for example, like uh, there's, there's nothing illegal or bad or, or stopping you from buying a gift card from China or Hong Kong or wherever, what, any, any place we sell for. Um, but how you redeem it might affect mm-hmm. you. Um, like, because... 
different gift card companies, different issuers, as we call them, um, will have different terms and conditions for each gift card. And, and they also know not, not only have different terms and conditions, they have different triggers for suspicious behavior. And those, some of the, sometimes they include redeeming a card from an, out, from an outside country. So in other words, bu- okay. buying a Canadian gift card but redeeming it from a Austrian IP might flag something. So you might get some hassle. Um, but this varies by card. This and, and sometimes it doesn't even matter. Some cards are totally international, um, and sometimes people use VPNs to not trigger these things. And 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 I want to be clear that it's that they they are not usually as far as i know they're not doing these things to commit crimes mm-hmm. they're doing these things because of like natural automated systems that that make it a pain in the ass or impossible to do legitimate things mm. but you've listed a lot of countries uh do you have to follow any regulations there because that might be a huge amount of bureaucracy work or Uh, is is your um, business free of uh, regulation? So I, I don't know that I can give a comprehensive answer because I'm not the lawyer and uh, and I'm and I'm not the compliance guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'll say this: we're a Swedish company. We we follow Swedish law. Um, we follow EU law. We follow EU AML regulations. And as any crypto company, we're extremely sensitive to also fo- doing our best to follow American law, especially for American customers. But in the in the gift card paradigm, it is not the same as like exchange or other types of custodial wallets or or, or payment processors. This is not really quite what we're doing. Um, so we we have a little bit of a different uh, legal uh, spectrum to be considering. You know, gift cards have s- separate and different. Uh, regulations and laws in most modern, you know, evolved countries that I, probably all countries. Again, I'm not the lawyer, um, so we, we definitely comply. Um, but we just happen to probably not have to comply as much as some Bitcoiners are used to, mm-hmm. like with with exchanges and mm-hmm. things like this. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Uh, another product you're offering are the Lightning Channel. How do you say fills? No, Light, you 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 offer lightning channel capa- capacity to yes. businesses. So we're we're one of the kind of uh, test cases or or you know experiments in this concept of an LSP, which is uh, the idea of doing a lightning service provider, um, sort of like an internet service provider, where basically we're providing paid access um, and and reliability services for for participating and joining this network and that's how we see it we see it as an, as providing net almost like lightning networking services basically um and and this line of products so far is is named under the brand thor like god of thunder and um we currently have about four facets to this um one is just opening a channel which is access you know giving you the ability to receive uh Bitcoin on the Lightning Network, and um, we will open a channel from our node to you, and and that's one service we have. Um, also, we have Turbo Channels where we will open a channel to you, um, and it will also contain Bitcoin. Um, so you not only can you receive, but you can send. Um, then we have Recharge, which is we will uh, complete an invoice to any endpoint. So basically, we will refill, we'll put Bitcoin in any pre-existing channel. Um, this allows you to pay invoices or to uh, 
refill your own channels, etc. It's just it's all the same thing on Lightning. And then finally, we have our Thor API, which is basically taking these services and putting them in an API environment, so businesses can now embed these things into their platforms to make to add utility or reliability for their Lightning capabilities. If I would like to open a channel and um, receive uh, payments, I have to prefill the channel, and that's what you do. So, and can I pay you in fiat or only in Bitcoin? No, uh, as a company, we we have currently at least have no uh, fiat payment capability. Um, we're all crypto, so you you can pay with Bitcoin or any of the uh, altcoins that we support. And in some cases, also we have integration, so like you can pay with your Coinbase account, and you can so you can connect. We have some things like this with integrations with other partners, but generally speaking, we have no fiat method of, of obtaining our services. We're not selling Bitcoin, um, which which would be the effective thing that would happen if we accept Bitcoin. I mean, we can make an argument how it's not maybe not technically selling Bitcoin, but um, these arguments become harder to make when you actually involve fiat. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, and how do you see how's the growth in these services? I mean, how many businesses want them? I would say that the growth is uh, as as I mentioned earlier. You know, the Lightning Network is a little bit slow in these past couple months. The the growth was really great um, for the first half of the year, and I think that it will resume so either soon after this event or you know so, something when when the price picks up as well. Um, It just takes time, but you know the issue here is we're really early at this, and this isn't just about getting uh, how many businesses, what is the growth rate. This is still at the stage of, all right, we, we're talking to many businesses and learning how to adjust our offering to give them what they actually need. Um, you know, we, We've taken some guesses as to what we assume they will need, but we have also learned, and, and soon in the coming weeks we'll have some announcements about more Thor types of, of, of offerings that better address what people tell us they need. Um, but we will, we will have, um, you know, we're working on partnerships and we're working on getting lightning adoption into uh, more of the infrastructure of Bitcoin. And, and you, you'll see some news in the next few weeks. Okay, great. Uh, speaking of news, and I see your shoes. We have both New Balance yep. today. And have you seen yesterday um, New Balance has announced a blockchain uh, project oh, with yeah. uh, Cardano. And I, I wrote on Twitter, I think I have to rethink my uh, appreciation for my shoes. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I'm honest, um, I, I lived in Boston for a while. I'm from Massachusetts originally. And I, if I recall correctly, that's where New Balance is, is originated. Um, maybe I'm wrong. But and New Balance is very popular in that area. I was near a, some headquarters. I lived near there in the past. This is many years ago. Um, and I've always loved their shoes. But honestly, I hate the ones I'm wearing. I can't stand them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I always have the same. I don't know what the number is at the moment, but it's always the same. Five, yeah, five, yeah. four, eight, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. For some reason, my feet are always killing me after I wear these oh, things. Oh, okay. And I shouldn't yeah. have brought them. But yeah, I, I mean, blockchain for shoes. I mean, this, yeah, this is old. Um, yeah. we, we have, uh, who was doing this? Uh, there was, they, they ended up pivoting away from doing the shoes. It was like, One of these companies like Provenance, where they wanted to do like fish on the blockchain. Mm -hmm, yeah. They were the guys that wanted to do sneakers on the blockchain. And then they kind of like pretended that never happened and pivoted to something else. But obviously there's no need. You, you, you can't make the physical world obey a blockchain. So exactly. there's, no, there's no digital association. It doesn't work. How do you want to prove that the leather is really from exactly that place? I mm -hmm. mean, 
you have to put a chip in the cow or something. I think I that know. all of this uh, blockchain for um, what's the word? Pro uh, yeah, supply chain. Blockchain for supply chain. Yeah. yeah, blockchain for supply chain for provenance. This is all nonsense. You know, it's it's no different than putting a sticker on a fish. You know, like that's what it amounts to. Like, and and you do, you have to trust the person that puts the right sticker on the right fish, and it's just nonsense. So it only makes a blockchain if we use the word, makes only sense in a digital life or a digital world. I don't think blockchain makes sense. Okay. Um, <laughs> Because, yeah, standalone, it's, it's only a, a database. It's like, yeah. I can remember where the word came. The, the word was just meant to be descriptive about an aspect of how Bitcoin works. Mm. It wasn't meant to be like a, a revolution in, in, in database design. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it, maybe it is, but in the end, the, the only application that we properly um, discovered that it actually works for is something like a, an uncensorable store of value. And, and, the, and the thing of it is, it's like, it's so simple. It's not even just like, It's it's even simpler than saying it's uh money, the only use is money. I, I can just get really really direct and literal. It's a store of value. It literally stores a numerical value within a UTXO that is trans and, and it provides a method for transferring the 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 uh, right to transfer it. <laughs> and, and so it's just a database that manages who can move literal uh, values like and that's all it does. And it's just really good at that. Mm. Yeah, we're coming to an end now. Let's do some wild guessing. What will happen in the next five years? Uh, in the world? In no, in Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the next five years in Bitcoin. Uh, I think that... Um, I think we'll get our first like taste of like how Bitcoin really hurts something in the traditional world. Like, you know... A, a crash of gold or a crash of the market that is mostly uh, widely attributed to Bitcoin. Like, uh, I think Bitcoin will, will have its moment where it will cause a pain to an institutional concept of humans. Um, maybe it'll kill a bank or a sector of banks. Maybe it'll exacerbate some type of, uh, you know, lending problem with student loans. It, there'll be something that people will attribute to Bitcoin where it's going to start causing some pain um, in, in, in the system because that's, it's disruptive, you know? And so far, we haven't, there hasn't had to be much disruption of the non-Bitcoin users. And so I think that would be one thing that I, I'm expecting to see in the, in the nearer future, in the next five years, where, where people start attributing a disruptive quality to Bitcoin and, and have more reasons to have fought against it. Do you have any recommendations for listeners, like books to read or videos to watch for the basics of Bitcoin uh, or yeah, for newbies in general? Honestly, with with books, uh, I read a lot. Do I read books a lot? No. Um, re my reading is mostly just trying to keep up with the day to day of the industry, with uh, once sometimes with papers that people write, with more long form articles that people write that are more kind of research oriented, social media, my job, etc. Um, so I, I I'm not going to recommend a book. Um, and and honestly, you know, nothing against the book writers. I think that there is no book that you need to read as far as that's Bitcoin specific. Um, I think what you really, you know, I'm biased. I'm going to recommend what I think worked for me. And what worked for me was diving right fucking in. You know, I, I, di I dove in. I found all the people that seemed the most extreme about Bitcoin. I learned why they, they had such confidence about how they were so 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 extreme and, and so confident about these concepts. And I, and I, I did my best to understand 
why everybody is behaving this way, why everybody believes. And, and then you just keep digging. You just keep falling down that rabbit hole. And you do this, I think you really do this through the community. Um, I think I really liked the 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 onboarding process of somebody coming in through crypto twitter i I would rather see that happen than have them start with like a specific book and then the followers of that author and then maybe be on a weird path um i don't know how to prevent people from from joining in uh through like altcoins this is another tricky thing um but no i don't have a specific book to recommend i would recommend participating in the community be a part of things and and do not trade but you know this is you know unless it's your career if it's something you have particular experience with um but don't don't fancy that you're going to get rich somehow or, or or fancy yourself a trader and, and and lose all your money you know remember it's never too late but you know I, i'm sitting here i i saw bitcoin at ten dollars and i never would have imagined that it would go to a thousand when it did or twenty thousand when it did and then i remember when it went from one thousand to 250 and being in despair for that it was at, at 250 for a year and just thinking, oh, you know <laughs> like and and thinking i missed it I, you know, I thought I, because I didn't sell everything at 1,000, I, I was like, I felt like I missed something. But imagine, I felt like I, I was depressed and felt like I missed out because Bitcoin was at $250. Like, and imagine like if I had just had confidence and just been all in and, you know. Yeah. Where can people follow you or, and also find Bitrefill? Um, you can follow me on Twitter. Probably the best place is uh, my handle is Bitcoin Error Log. Um, you can find me on Telegram there and maybe some other social media. Uh, for BitRefill, it's BitRefill.com, at BitRefill on Twitter. Um, we're, we're often doing podcasts, uh, myself, Sergey, sometimes Justin. We're often also the three of us appearing at conferences doing interviews like this. Uh, you know, um, so it's pretty easy to find us. Um, I try not to say stupid things. So, <laughs> so <laughs> give it a try. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much and have a good time here at the conference. You too. Thank you for having me. Bye. So thank you for listening. And please remember to check out the Bitbox O2 hardware wallets. Free shipping with the code ANITA at shiftcrypto.ch. Two editions, both Swiss made, including a Bitcoin only. What can I say? I'm a fan. And thanks also to Card Wallet. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. What did you think of the interview? Did it bring you greater understanding of Bitcoin and its people? If yes, and if you want to support my show, please subscribe to the podcast in your player, leave some stars and share, 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 share on social media. Feel free to contact me on Twitter, LinkedIn and YouTube or send me a voice message via the link on the episode page. Goodbye from Vienna. Auf Wiederhören. Music. Start with Yes. Dedicate Beats. Idea, content and production, yours truly, Anita Posch.